Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening was developed by Nintendo EAD and published by Nintendo in Japan in June of 1993, and in North America in August of 1993, and in Europe, November of 1993. Wow. Right on the heels of the other two. Sure, yeah. I, actually, I, I feel like uh, Link to the Past was the same way. It was pretty close, too. Yeah. Right? So maybe, you know, these high-profile releases get the express ticket. I hope so. And this is, of course, the fourth Zelda game, and the first for a portable system, unless you count that watch game. Oh, right. Did yeah. you know anyone that had that? Uh, yeah, I had a friend who had it. Uh, I was so jealous of that. I was at first, but... You, well, it was pretty simple. Like, it's not something I would play outside of somewhere I wasn't supposed to have a game. Right. Well, you know? <laughs> it was like for school or yeah. waiting on your mom. LCD, baby. At the bank or whatnot. <laughs> but this game, Link's Awakening, it actually started as a late-night project where they were trying to port Zelda A Link to the Past. Right, right. And you can really see that in a lot of the, the graphical style and the way most of the enemies are expressed. Oh, sure. Everything, especially the background graphics, are straight out of Link to the Past. And even though this was an after-hours project, they, uh, I guess people caught on that it was actually pretty amazing what they were doing and then it became a full-time project for a select group there uh it was directed by takashi tezuka mm -hmm. and he was director or designer on you know super mario brothers zelda one and two super mario brothers two through three yoshi's <laughs> island all that fun stuff plenty of classics and he continued to work up through all the other systems you know Star Fox 64 and then even up to zelda breath of the wild on the switch now Oh, wow. Long, long storied career, huh? Definitely. And he's stuck with Nintendo the entire time. Loyal man. Yeah, he was supervisor in that game. And he is um, also said to be the father of Yoshi. Oh, okay. So the story was that uh, I think originally Miyamoto wanted it to be a horse. And he said dinosaurs are hot. Sure, sure. Let's turn it into this cute dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs are cooler than horses. No offense to any horse listeners. And this game is known for being a more offbeat entry and maybe the first that really throws in a lot of weirdness to the Zelda series. Oh, yeah, it's it's an odd one out in certain ways. And a lot of that, I think, is attributed to the fact that the writers say they were very inspired by Twin Peaks. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And you can see that in some of the weird oddball characters. But, I mean, Twin Peaks was definitely a more adult show than this game is. Yeah, I, I've never watched Twin Peaks, but I just remember of it and being very weird and, you know, it, how... I watched it at a probably inappropriately young age. I think it was like in the fifth grade. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I still have the cassette tape uh, for the soundtrack. Right. That's David Lynch, right? Yes. So it's all weird, dreamy stuff. You know, it always is. So. Definitely. Yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, Link's Awakening was the first Zelda that Miyamoto had no hand in. Oh, right. Yeah. He was just like a tester, right? A game tester at yeah. some point? He yeah. was a game tester for them. And uh, beyond that, though, he didn't have any, you know, say in the design or story or any of that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it... It kind of shows. It's It takes some Zelda conventions, but it establishes its own weird little tricks. And then, of course, this game was then re-released for the Game Boy Color as the DX edition. 
and it was a uh, full color, and then also backwards compatible with the original Game Boy. Oh, nice. Okay. Then, uh, in addition to being in full color, it did have some other tricks where they introduced a uh, cameraman that travels the land, oh, takes right, pictures, yeah. yeah, and those pictures can be printed on the uh, Game Boy printer. Right. Right. Yeah. I um full disclosure here. I played that version. Yeah. So I did meet the cameraman and stuff. So it did was... you also do the uh, added color puzzle dungeon? No, I haven't yet. I was waiting. I don't know. The game kind of ended. Ah, well, without getting into it too much, it, it took me off guard. Kind of how quickly it ended. Okay. So I, I, there's still some things I want to go back and finish up. Well, it's good because for me that's really cheat mode. Uh, in addition to adding color, they added like owl statues throughout the game that give you hints where there were no hints before to oh, make it okay. a little easier. I, okay, I. I do know what you're talking about with the owl things. I thought that those were stone slabs in the other one. They are. Right? Okay. Gotcha. But there's fewer of them. Oh, okay. And then, of course, there is that dungeon I mentioned, and it's a color puzzle dungeon. When you get to the end, you are given the choice between a uh, red or blue tunic. And one halves your damage, and the other doubles your attack. Oh, wow. Okay. So, in a way, they're kind of a game breaker. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you've played through this game before, they they can definitely add some replay value. Sure. And then finally, this game is being re-released for the Nintendo Switch as a full 3D remake. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty soon, right? Uh, Yes. In fact, um, as we record this, the Nintendo Direct is happening in just a few days, and they will be talking all about it, supposedly. (laughs) Hot dog. Uh, So hopefully you can enjoy that one in the near future. Well, Nick, what kind of game is Zelda Link's Awakening? Well, this is a top-down action-adventure exploration. It's a Zelda game. You it know. is now, I think, you know, specifically a Zelda game. Sure, yeah. And um, it's very similar to previous Zelda games, but also establishes its own identity right away. Yeah, because in this game, you can jump. That's right, yeah. Uh, you don't right away, but there's an item you can eventually get that gives you a jump. And while it's not a variable jump, it is one where you can steer the jump in midair because this is an overhead game. Yeah, so it's not a bad jump, for, especially given the weirdness of overhead jumping typically. In fact, I would say for a third-person game or overhead, this is the best jump I've ever experienced. Yeah, I mean, not, not a lot of them come to mind. So. Right. Well, usually, you know, in those games, you're not doing a lot of diagonal jumping or anything, and it's always right. very odd to see where that's at. But in the Zelda game, since everything's blocked out, it's very easy to understand. Yeah, definitely. But of course, not only can you jump in this game, your main uh, interaction with the world is the sword attack. Classic sword slash? And it is the classic sweeping sword slash. But what's interesting about this game is that not only do you have that slash right from the beginning, you also have the ability to charge and spin. That's right, that's right. Although we should mention, um, because the sword slash is a little weird Mm -hmm. in this game because it's kind of, it's like a counterclockwise slash. Well, because Link is famously left-handed. Right, and you know, like, so let's say you're facing north, then the slash will start at, say, 3 o'clock and go to 12. Mm -hmm. And it does that any direction you're facing, except for when you're facing right, it goes from 12 down to 3. Right. So you kind of have this weird corner at the bottom right where your slashes won't go. Yeah. It's it's very strange, and I don't know why they didn't just make it completely radially symmetry, you Mm -hmm. know? But it, 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 t- till the end of the game, I still had this weak point. I could not get over it. Well, in those cases, you're just going to want to charge up. Or most of the time, hopefully have a different different item. Plenty of other weapons, yeah. But what also stands this game apart from many other Zeldas is no matter what, even if you are at full health, you do not have your sword blast. Oh, that's right, yeah. 
Don't you get that if you get the level two sword? Or? Yes, but you don't start out with it. And if you're me, this playthrough, you didn't get that sword. Me either. <laughs> so, yeah, bummer. <laughs> and, Losers. Yeah, um, but, you know, and to, that's a testament to what, what all is going on in this game, is that you can beat this game without even finding every one of the secrets in it. I, I did not find them all. <laughs> and this game, like many Zeldas, has a ton of items and different tools you can use. Yeah, and specifically, I mean, before we get into the items, one of the big difference, I think, between this and any other Zelda game is that you're not forced to have the sword mapped to your A button permanently. Yeah, let's get into that because it's really awesome, and it's a great way to get around a two-button control scheme. Yeah, it's my favorite thing about this game. Uh, granted, I wish you could toggle with, like, L and R buttons, but those didn't exist yet. Yeah. And maybe that will in the new version, but, but in this game, you have two different pause screens. You have right. one that is just the overworld map, yep. which is a great map screen because you can move uh, the little cursor around the map and whatever tile it's on, it will tell you what's there if you've uh, previously walked through that area. Yeah, and if it's an area where the owl came and gave you a message, you can read that message again by hitting your like A button or something on yeah. the map, which is pretty handy if you don't know what to do. Or you don't remember which building is this person's house or whatnot. Yeah. You yeah. can figure out very easily which one it is and go right there. But then the other pause screen is the one that shows you your inventory. Yes. And in this screen on the left side, you have access to all of your usable items. Yeah, yeah. And what's super awesome is that you choose which one is the A button and which is the B button. Yeah, so you you know you can get up to what are there ten or twelve mm -hmm. items over there, and you know you have full. I think it's twelve. Yeah, it's full selection between you know your A and B. Each one, any item can be assigned to either button. Mm -hmm. And quite often you're going to be switching those around. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool because you get a lot of neat combinations, mm -hmm. combo powers, kind of or different yeah, things. To some do. things work together explicitly, and then other things are just good to have at the same time. I mean, for most of the game, of course, I was using the. Uh, jump and sword. Sure, yeah. But there are many times where you may want to have your shield and sword. Yeah, yeah. And you can have them both out at the same time, which is pretty awesome. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And before we get into all the new items, let's talk about some of the things that return from the other Zelda games that you're going to find very familiar. And that is the fact that in this game, you have hearts as your health. That's right, yep. Uh, enemies can hurt you for different amounts of that heart. Mm -hmm. Like uh, even down to a fourth, I think. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. Or maybe it is just half. I'm not sure. But as you progress through the game, you can get more hearts by defeating bosses, which mm -hmm. will give you a full heart piece. Mm -hmm. And then scattered throughout the world, there are pieces of heart container. Yeah. And just like the others, it takes four of those, and then you get another piece of the heart. Right, right. There are There's less of them in this game, though. Oh, yeah. But Because I, I, you max out at, like, 14 hearts mm -hmm. instead of, like, 20. And one of the things that is very interesting is that when you die in this game, you come back with much more hearts. It's not just the three. Yeah, you get like six or... It's I, a lot. I don't know. Eight? I don't I don't know. And in addition to hearts, we also have the return of rupees. Classic. The currency of the Zelda universe. Yep. And you will find rupees in this game, but I think the enemies only drop one rupee at a time. Yep, they're only single ones, but you can still find many more in treasure chests with 20, 30, 50, 100. And if you're a fool like me, sometimes you haven't emptied your pockets enough and you're just wasting coins as you find <laughs> those treasure chests. It can't happen, yeah. Because there, there are a lot more. I don't know if there are that many in previous, you know, in A Link to the Past, mm -hmm. but I found a lot more of these rupee chests than, than I really needed. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to dropping hearts and coins, the enemies now can drop two new items. 
And those are really cool because they affect gameplay in a whole different way than you've had in Zelda. Yeah. And that is the Guardian Acorn. Mm -hmm. And when you get it, it halves all the damage you take. Yeah, and what's the duration for these? Um, who knows? It definitely goes away <laughs> once you go inside a different room or like a building. Yeah, yeah. But if you're in a dungeon, you can go between rooms. Yeah. I feel like it's actually number of hits, perhaps. I was, yeah, I was trying to think. It mostly seems to go away when I, I would take damage, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure exactly how many. Uh, I do know that when you get these, the music changes. Yep. And sometimes uh, in the latter levels, it was incredibly long. <laughs> I was listening to it for longer than I wanted to in some, certain instances. Yeah, well, and it's a much shorter loop than most of the other songs. In the it game. is. So, yeah. Uh, and while that one's cool, the real star of the show is the triangle that drops. What is it called? The the piece of power. The piece of power, which is very obviously a Triforce. Yeah, this will charge up your attack power now to, what do you do, twice as much damage? Well, yes, you do more damage, but more importantly, you fling the enemy <laughs> away. It zooms across the screen, and when it hits things, it explodes. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It makes you feel wonderfully powerful, and it is great. Yes, and I, I've never made it to any bosses or anything with these. Same. So I, I, it seems like it would be possible, so maybe you could really tear through, or at least many bosses maybe, you know? But they are a random drop, so that's right. the key. is you're, you're never going to find them right away. Yeah, yeah. Now, another thing that returns that we didn't talk about is the fairy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there is no way to trap a fairy in this game. No, there. it's more like the Legend of Zelda where you just can pick them up and they replenish your health. They are very cute looking. Yeah, they and, look almost like the bee, you know? Mm-hmm. And you'll find them under pots or most often later in the game when you destroy certain enemies. Right, yeah. But of course what makes this a uh, Zelda game, in addition to the gameplay loop and the perspective, is the addition of all these great items. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see some returning items and a few new ones as well in this game. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about those right now. Let's do it. And in this game, there are two types of items. There are the items that you keep and use, and then there are passive items that are used mainly in the trading section of the game. And a few passive items that always remain with you. Yeah, and the active items are on the left of your subscreen in their their own window, and then all of your passive items and instruments uh, etc. will be on the right. So, of course, when you start the game, you do not actually have the sword. That's right. You have to go get it, and um, you do find it on the shore of this island. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what we didn't mention is this game is almost a sequel to Link to the Past. Yeah, yeah. You could imagine it being a direct follow-up, where Link has left to go train, he's out at sea, and then there is a horrible accident, his ship is destroyed, and he yeah. washes up on the shore of this mysterious island. That's right. So this is not Hyrule that you are adventuring in. No, and and early on, you do find your sword. It's one of the very first things you do. Yeah, yeah. And it's your, you know, normal sword. It slashes, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, you have the spin slash. Uh, you also can, you know, you can hold out the sword mm-hmm. and kind of move around with it. That allows you to kind of strafe as well as uh, look for audio clues for bombable walls. You can ting up against them if you charge them. Yeah, which we saw that in Link to the Past as well, correct? Yeah. yeah. That was its first appearance. It was. And you can also um, hold that sword out till you get the slash move, but then you can hold on to that as long as you want. Right, right. You don't have to right away spin. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there is an upgrade to the sword, and it's called the seashell sword. Okay, yeah. And it is uh, twice as strong, I think, and it also can shoot beams when you're at full health. Mmm, nice. But the only way to get that is to turn in 20 secret seashells. 
Yeah, I never quite got there. And those are found all over the map. Yeah, I I just wanted to see how many I could find on my own without mm-hmm. really going hunting for them because much like uh, heart containers in A Link to the Past, there are a ton of them. There's yeah. like 26 or something. Correct. So trying to figure out which ones you have and haven't got and remembering can be a real pain in the butt. And I, I thought I, I just put off doing that. So mm-hmm. never quite got there. I only got 16. I think I was in that same area as well. And I had screwed something up, so I knew I wasn't getting a lot of them. And I really... Once I figured out I missed a bunch, I wasn't feeling like going back to find them. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to try to puzzle them out, but I just didn't feel like I needed to. I don't know. Oddly enough, the very first uh, item you get in the game is your trusty shield. Yeah, you get this uh, before um, you get the sword, even. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, the shield uh, functions differently than any shield in the previous Zeldas. Because you have to hit your button to present the shield. Yeah, it doesn't have an auto block. No. Anymore. But what's cool is that it does block a lot, especially the first level. Oh, it blocks a ton of things, like enemies attacking you and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, bosses, even. Uh, I, I didn't use it much at the beginning because kind of wanted it to make you strafe like the sword does. Right. And it doesn't. No. But it's just so forgiving, I guess, the detection on what gets blocked and what doesn't. Like, Correct. Like, towards the later half of the game, I started using it a ton because it was, it was really useful. And you can use it to even, like ram into enemies yeah there are certain like turtle enemies that are it kind of takes the place of the hammer from a link to the past where you can hold it out and butt into certain uh enemies and they'll fall over on their backs and then you can kill them or even push some normal enemies just out of the way or off a ledge yeah if you're just trying to like bump your way through you easily can do it with this and also like i said it's nice because you can also hold it up and use the sword at the same time yeah yeah. you've got the dexterity there Pretty sweet. The shield is also a one of the rare items that gets an upgrade. That's right, yeah. And this is when you find in a level, and it levels up to the mirror shield. Yeah, and that just lets you block, what, fireballs and lasers? Or... Yes. But I think it also is a larger shield. Oh, okay. I think sure. it might block a larger area. Cool. I'm not sure. I know the sprite is definitely larger. Right, right. Then another uh, reoccurring item you're going to find is the bomb. Oh, yeah, the good old bombs. They're Zelda classic, and they're back. And you can buy these bombs right away. That's right, yeah. You can buy like 10 of them for not too expensive. No. And uh, then you have these bombs almost immediately in the game. Yeah, and there's no reason not to. They're powerful. Uh, You can blow holes in walls, just like you'd imagine. But enemies do not drop bombs this time around. That's right. You can find them under some pots sometimes. Yes. Or in dungeons, there are these uh, sometimes just the items themselves floating in the air with little wings. Yeah, a little like bug wings and uh, you have to use you have to jump up to grab them yes now the bomb is upgradable in the fact that you can find places to increase the amount of bombs you get yeah and how many you start with a max of 20 or 30 um i remember it being way higher than i expected and then you got more like i i had I, a ton of bombs by the i end. think your original amount is 20 mm-hmm. and then it can increase from there Okay, yeah. And what you have to find is this strange bat creature known as the Mad Batter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And anytime you encounter him, uh, you to encounter him, you find this large pot, and you have to use uh, an item we're going to talk about in a second on it, the magic powder. Yeah. And when you do, the Mad Batter will appear and curse you, uh, and the curse is that you have the ability to carry more items. Yeah, yeah. This it, is a yeah, returning face from Link to the Past, you know, yes. where you find those little shrine, but there's more than one here. yeah. And I think you can go all the way up to 60 bombs. Yeah, I think so. I, which I, is a ludicrous amount. You'll it, never need anything close to that. No, you won't. It's pretty crazy. And uh, since we're going in alphabetical order here, the next one we're going to talk about is the boomerang. 
That's right. This... Did you get the boomerang? I did not. I made sure I did because I do. Uh, spoiler: I've played this game multiple times before, and I remember the power and magic that is the boomerang. Well, um, I didn't. I wasn't sure if there was one because it does not mention it in the manual. Oh, really? And that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and um, there was a point towards the end of the game where I only had I'd had one slot left in my uh, equipable items slot, so I thought for sure I, I must have passed up the boomerang. It's always the first thing you get. Incorrect. But in this game, it's not. It's the last thing you might get because it is the end of the ultimate trading quest that is found in this game. Oh, right, right. Now, some parts of this trading quest you do have to complete for the story and for items to get you through the map. But if you manage to get all of the items traded, your mm-hmm. final part is that you then get to, if you get the final item in that rotation, which we'll talk about later, which is the magnifying glass. Right. You then get to see this one character you've never seen before in a cave or a gotcha. building. And he will tr- trade you the boomerang for another item. Yeah, yeah. It's not every item, but I traded, I think what most people do is the shovel. The shovel, yeah. And that's also why I don't think I was able to get those last few shells. I I wasn't aware of this till, like I said, I I became aware of the boomerang very late in the game and wasn't really messing with it, you know. And uh, But I did read that if you trade him something, you can trade it back if you need to. Like if you want to get the shovel to go, you know, hunting for more seashells or something, if you want to get it back. But I didn't experience it. Now, the boomerang functions much like the boomerang in previous games. Okay. Unlike other games, it doesn't just stun creatures. For the most part, it obliterates them. Yeah, it's like the strongest thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Certain bosses, it just kills in like one or two hits. Yeah, I... Certain enemies, it kills in one hit. And then, I mean, those are the hard enemies. Most small enemies, it just, they explode. Sure, yeah, yeah. I did notice, though, that I very rarely got um, items, I felt like, when I used it on it, creatures. Oh, really? I'm not sure if that was just something I felt or if that's true. And then also on top of that, you can use it um, to activate switches. Right, right. And it does also retrieve any items that are dropped. Classic boomerang style. Now, another classic returning to the series is the bow. That's right. And the bow is attainable as soon as you have enough money for it. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, though. Like 980? (laughs) And you can only hold 999. So... I don't know. I got it about halfway through the game, I think, like where it was just saving up and eventually, you know, through finding all those hidden rupees. Mm-hmm. And the second you are close to that, you want to go buy it. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's a useful item. The classic bow, you can shoot it across the screen. I think you can have two arrows, one arrow on screen, one or two on screen at once. Yeah, and arrows are found items as well, the same as bombs, under pots or floating in the air. Yeah. Um, and they are, I think, rarely dropped by enemies, though. There are certain enemies that do drop them. I think so, yeah. It's, you know, you can, you have a separate stock of ammo for your arrows as well. It is not rupees, like the very first one. Right, right. And when you see them on the, you know, when they pop out on the game screen, they're huge. Like, I thought it was a spear or something when I first saw it. But what makes the bow and arrow so awesome in this game is that if you have it equipped with the bomb and you press both buttons at the same time, you shoot a bomb arrow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yes, it is very powerful and explosive. It does everything a bomb would do and everything an arrow would do combined. The best of both worlds. And much like the bombs, you can increase the amount of arrows you get by finding that mad batter as well. Okay. I don't think I got any more arrows, but... Apparently you didn't find all the mad batters. I did not. I know I know, I didn't. I just uh, I wasn't sure how many there were. So Now, another early item you get is the magic powder. And that's a mini quest where you have to go find a mushroom. You take it to a witch, and she then gives you this bag of magic powder. Yeah, kind of similar to how you get your medicine in the Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. 
Now, this magic powder can be refilled once it's emptied at the witch's house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or you will find refills for it floating in levels. Yeah, sometimes you just see bags floating in there. I think there's a bag of it at the Trendy game. I think there is as well. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But mostly this just stuns or does weird things to certain enemies. Or it will light cauldrons in dark rooms. Yeah, it kind of takes the place of the lantern. Mm Mm-hmm. In the uh, link to the past again, <laughs> but it is also uh, fun because you never know what it's going to do to certain things. Like the enemies that stun you, it'll stun them, so you can attack them. Right. Yeah. And then you need to use it on a character in the game to progress the quest as well. And of course, later in the game, you will see the dreaded anti fairy, and if you use the magic powder on them, it will sometimes turn them into the good fairies or the boomerang. Oh, what you can boomerang them? Yep. It turns them into fairies. Uh huh. What? It's so great. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> um, now, the magic powder can also be upgraded by the mad batter, and he can make it so you have 40 uses of powder. Yeah, I, I got that was the first one I found. It was kind of like, meh. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's nice, I guess. <laughs> it is. And then we have another returning item, uh, one you don't see very often anymore, and that is the magic rod. Yeah, um, it, it kind of looks like... You sounded very excited about that. I, I was very excited because this... Even though you get it pretty late in the game, um, this is very similar to the Legend of Zelda rod. Yes. You know, even though it, it kind of superficially looks like the fire rod from A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. But it, it functions like the Zelda 1 rod with the upgrade. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's where it'll it'll shoot a little fire. Um, you can light torches with this, but it's also just very strong and fast. Mm-hmm. So it was fun to, you know, as a, someone who didn't get the level 2 sword, I... I or the this. boomerang. Yeah, or the boomerang. So Ugh. It is a nice consolation prize. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, and then we have another interesting item that kind of uh, predates some other games, but is also found in previous games under the wrong name, mm. and that is the ocarina. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, they called the, fl- the ocarina a flute in Link to the Past. They did. And I, is this the first time it's truly called an ocarina? I think it might be. Because, yeah, good for them. And it is a very interesting uh, item because once you find it, uh, there's really not much you can do with it. Yeah, you have to learn well up to three different songs to I play on it. I think you have to learn all three story-wise. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe so. you don't have to learn the second one. Yeah. Uh, the first one you learn is from the character Marin, and that is the Ballad of the Windfish. And it's its own unique thing where it awakens certain areas or creatures or entrances. Yeah, it's just like, it's it's kind of a key, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it just gets you past a couple spots. And then you'll have uh, Monbo's Mambo. Did you find this one? Yeah, this is with the fish. Yes. Yeah. And it works more like your classic flute. Yeah. Where it will warp you back to the beginning of a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then it will also take you to one spot on the map instead of multiple spots, and that is a pond north of the main town. Yeah, it's a good spot, too, because it's right by uh, Crazy Tracy's. Yes. Which... We'll talk about her later, but you'll want to go back if if you're smart. Yes. And then finally, the last thing you're going to learn is the Frog Song of Soul. Yeah, yeah. And you learn that from, well, the boss of Mario 2. Yeah, Wart is here. Yeah. Pretty awesome. One Uh, of many, many interesting references to the Mario franchise. That's true. You see quite a few, and I, but of all of them, you know, because you'll see some shy guys later too, but it really- And a Kirby. It, yeah, yep, yeah, but uh, I feel like it really makes sense for the Mario 2 guys, since they're from Subcon, it's mm-hmm. like a dream world, you know? So, kind of crossover here, I don't know, I was I was happy to see you. And this song is really very specific. It brings things back to life, 
Yeah, you just use it once, right? Oh. I mean, I feel like that maybe there is some more stuff there, but there's definitely the main one store use. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you only do use it once, maybe twice if you use it to open up. Um, oh, you do it once to open up the final level or the second oh, to last level. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's a key, a MacGuffin. Not a very useful song. Right. Right. Not like that Mambo. Nope. The, the Mambo's where it's at. And then next up, we have an item from the last game the Pegasus Boots. That's right. They are back and function pretty much the same. They do, except for the fact that you only do the dashing attack if you have the sword as your other item. Oh, that's true. Yes. Um, because if you have, say, the boomerang, you just run into things. Right, right. But there is another move where if you have the Pegasus boots and the and the feather right. uh, at the same time, you can then do a super jump. Yeah, you get a running start. And Which really you do play. have to use in a couple places in the game. Yeah, it, uh, it really tricked me, too, because I saw quite a few spots with, you know, where it's three what, three squares three squares of a gap yeah and and i just right away was like nope that's that's a hook shot don't mess with it now you, there's no way to get past here so it took me a while before i realized it and never felt really dumb and then the dash attack is also useful because there's a certain type of crystal or rock in the game that blocks your progress in many areas and it will shatter those as well yeah and not to mention there are a few enemies where it's just advantageous to use that attack against them yeah and it feels a little quicker if you're like charging, there are certain bosses where I was using this where, you know, you'll charge them and bounce off and just keep charge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you there's don't... less time of that recharge when yeah. you're powering up to run at them. It's a lot like, yeah, cool down or, or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And I was always torn in the game whether to jump along the route or to use this. Yeah, I know. This is faster, but the jumping is definitely safer because you can jump over enemies and stuff. You yeah. Know, so. And then another interesting item, one that returns from the very first game, is the power bracelet. Pretty cool, yeah. Uh, it takes the place of the, what, Titan's Mitt or the power glove from Link to the Past? Yes. And in the beginning of the game, um, you can use it to lift up bottles, which you can't do normally. Right, yeah. Uh, and certain boulders that block your path. Yep. And then eventually you'll get an upgrade to it, the power bracelet level 2. Yeah. And that's when you really can do some damage because you can pick up, like, statues. Yeah, the big statues and stuff. And push around larger objects as well. Right, right. Yeah, and then there's, like, the weight by color. You know, the darker objects mm -hmm. weigh more, which is, you know, something we kind of saw in Link to the Past. Right. And then finally we have an item that we've really danced around, and that is the Rock's Feather. Yeah, another pretty early one you get. Yeah, you get it in the very first, I think, boss level. The very first dungeon you go into. Right, right. And this is what it lets you jump. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty crazy jump, man. You get a good good little distance and height, you know? Yeah, because what we didn't mention is that also in this game there are side-scrolling areas, a la Zelda 1. That's right, yeah. Anytime you go downstairs, or I guess or upstairs. In a dungeon. In a dungeon, and, you know, it doesn't always take you to another floor. You're actually just in a little kind of side-scrolling adventure. And unlike Zelda 1, though, since you have this jump, it's definitely more uh, of a side-scrolling feel. Yeah, it's very, like, platformy light. There's some very simple things. Correct. It's just kind of fun. You'll see Goombas and well, some other... Uh, interestingly enough, the only enemies you do find in those are enemies from the Mario series as well. Yeah, and, you know, like, you can slash the Goombas with your sword, but you can also stomp on them. It is so great. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's kind of a tease because it's really interesting to see 
a side scrolling, you know, as brief as it is, this level that was made in an overhead game because the loosey goosey movement, like when you're jumping and, mm-hmm. and on the ladders, like I kind of like it. Like I would just be interested in seeing more. Like what? That. It reminds me of Super Mario Land. Okay, yeah. You know? Yeah. Is that yeah. weird squirreliness? Now, the Rock's Feather is great because you can combine it with the sword, like we said, or mm-hmm. almost any of the attack weapons. Yeah, yeah. And you can jump around, throw things, roll things. Uh, when you have the sword equipped with it, you can have it charged or just sticking straight out while you jump around as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, very versatile. It's probably my most used item in the game. Yeah. It was I... very often my B button. It's a good It's a good standby because you are just it's very easy to avoid damage correct and then finally we have the last item that you get to use and that is the deluxe shovel which there is no basic shovel it's only the the (laughs) deluxe model in this game top of the line and it is used kind of randomly i mean you can use it to find secret hearts and rupees Mm -hmm. and those secret seashells yeah yeah but i don't know if there's any place that you have to have this in the game is there there's like that one bonus pothole Oh, I think you need it to get access to the castle because uh, the guy that has the castle key or whatever, he requires you to have the shovel to something move on. Yeah, it's it's really mostly it's for that and finding seashells Mm -hmm. and for trading for that boomerang. Yeah, yeah. And then actual finally, because even though we were going in alphabetical order, I somehow skipped one of the best additions to the Zelda franchise, (laughs) and that is the hookshot. Classic hookshot's back, and it looks a little different because the tip of it is gigantic yeah it looks like a mace yes but it works the same way where certain items like chests or boulders or whatnot you know it can hook into and then pull you across the screen or a gap yeah it can also grab items similar you know if you don't have a boomerang Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it also can do damage to enemies yeah it does more damage than your normal sword yes i was using this a lot okay since i didn't get the only downside (laughs) is that if you then kill an enemy as you're rapid firing it or hitting the button a lot, and it then latches onto something across the room, it oh, can yeah. pull you through some dangerous territory. It's true. Because um, I had that happen a couple times. Well, and, and I noticed, um, I don't know about this while you're moving, but while it's extending and retracting, you have some invincibility frames. Okay. And I didn't really use it much in Link to the Past, so I'm not sure if it worked that way there too, but I, I was able to accidentally luck my way out of some damage several times where I was just using this, and... Save my bacon. And it does go across the entirety of the screen, so that's another bonus for it there. Sure is. Now that's it for your equipable items, but also in this game, of course, you're going to have a, a bunch of other items that sometimes aid your quest or aid your movement or whatever. Yeah, the the manual calls these uh, inventory items. Okay. And one of the most useful ones you're going to find are the flippers. That's right. Um, they're very similar to the flippers from A Link to the Past. Yes, because there are two types of water in this game. Shallow water, which you can walk through. Yeah. Uh, if I recall, you may have had a little trouble with that. Yeah, I just assumed that you couldn't go in any water. I totally forgot about it. And I, so I walked around a certain uh, warp points without even trying to use them. I don't know. Uh, I figured it out pretty early on, but I still wasted a lot of time. But then there is a deeper, darker water, and you cannot access that at all. Yeah. And until you have the flippers. And once yep. you do, you can swim through that freely, mm-hmm. but you can also dive into that water. Yeah, which is new, right? Yeah, and you can dive and avoid enemies or their attacks. Yeah, and at certain places it gets you to a special screen. but Or sometimes there's a hidden item found in that area if you dive. Right. Such as a heart container or a key. Yeah. And then at one point there's a character that makes you search for these gold leaves. They yeah. don't seem to do anything, but they 
do have a counter in your sub-inventory that'll show you how many you have. Yeah, it's really just for that one little sub-quest. Indeed. But more importantly, there is the secret medicine. Yeah. And this is what you mentioned earlier with that crazy lady. Crazy Tracy, yeah. Crazy Tracy, uh, she mixes up this secret medicine, uh-huh. and it works much like a fairy would in a bottle. Yeah, it's, I mean, it completely refills your life once you are dropped to zero hearts. And later on in the game, that is invaluable. Yeah, you want to have it at all times. There's one point where you can find some. Yeah, there are actually two or three places later on in the game. And if you already have it, those are replaced with a 20 rupee coin. Oh, okay. That's cool. There are the aforementioned secret seashells. And you can see where those are uh, kept track of in your items area, your inventory. And there are 26 total. But once you get the second sword, the remainder of them disappear. Oh, really? Okay. You know, when I came across these early on, you know, because it gives you vague hints. It's like, if you get enough, surely something good will happen. Yes. So I just kind of half-heartedly, if I saw suspicious-looking bushes or so, you know, check it out. And I got a few. And it wasn't until I kind of, you know, accidentally towards the end found out what they were for. Mm-hmm. If I'd have known that at the beginning of the game, I would have paid more attention to my secret seashells. That's for darn sure. <laughs> like, Agreed. I wish I would have been a little more upfront about it. Mm-hmm. And then there is that sleepy toadstool that you have to find, and you trade that in to get your magic powder. Oh, right, yeah. Now, in that subscreen, you also get to see, instead of pieces of Triforce, you're collecting instruments from all over this world. Yeah, they're all magical instruments that you will use to waken the wind fish. And there are eight of them, and they're all shown. They have a cool little graphic, and they fill a little circle. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of see your progress through the game there. And I also forgot to mention... There are keys in the game, and you also use this screen to see how many keys you have on you. Yeah, you find uh, there, there's not only just keys, but there's also in the dungeons, you will have the nightmare key, which is kind of like the big key from A Link to the Past. Use it to get into the boss room. Yes. And, and then finally, there is the trading sequence items. And I think we're going to talk about those a little later. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, you always get to see which one you have currently, mm-hmm. but those all trade out as you move through the game. Yeah, it's just kind of like one slot that shows you what you've got as you go. You know? Yeah. And then finally, in this game, of course, there are no lives. Right, yeah. It's classic Zelda style. Um, like you mentioned earlier, when you die and start over, you do start with more life than typical. You mm-hmm. know? And you're given the choice to either save and quit, save and continue, or I think those are your two options. Yeah. Every time. But so if you want choices. to, you can always hit all four buttons, and it will take you to that screen automatically. Yeah, yeah. Even though I had the option of save stating, I didn't really feel the need to too much. It's right. pretty gentle with its continues. Mm-hmm. And if you die on the main map, when you continue, you'll start at the last eg- entrance or exit that you've gone through. Yeah, which is uh, kind of weird, but it's it, I think it's fair. I like it because if you're not, if you know that's coming, then that's a lot of times why I'll stop into the telephone booths. Yeah, yeah. I duck in there and yeah, yes, yeah. And, of course, you do name your character, and you have one of three save slots that is your file. Yeah, which is nice, man. Three slots. Yes. And if you name yourself Zelda, you do get different music in the loading screen. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wasn't thinking, and a lot of times I'll just name my save file Dad. Yeah. And it did make for an interesting playthrough because everyone in the game referred to me as Dad. <laughs> right. So, like, hey, Dad, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, it's a bummer because, you know... My original old school handle that I would use in all these games was Slack or Slacker. Yeah. But then once I had children, I was like, well, maybe I should put a better <laughs> foot forward. So instead, I use my last name or my online handle. It's different. Mr. Hard Worker. Uh, but 
So all my old, old games have that as the name file on them. Uh, And then now I've just kind of switched to dad just because it's easier to visually find right away. (laughs) Captain character, Mm -hmm. building it, bootstraps, pulling them up. Well, Nick, this is a Nintendo game. It's for the Game Boy, so I know it's a smaller size manual. But I'm fairly confident that they put their best foot forward in that manual you read on the way home. Oh, sure. This is, uh, it's good stuff. And uh, I took a look at both the original uh, Link's Awakening Mm -hmm. manual and the DX one. Full disclosure, I own and have owned since it was released the DX version. Oh, okay. So I have a vague memory of that manual. Yeah. Um, you know, I just kind of, they're actually very similar. The, uh, I would just say the DX one, the main difference is it's full color and it's a little more leisurely like, uh, this, uh, but the original is, uh, 30 pages. Okay. Which is nice. Yeah. It's still pretty, pretty big. Um, it is black, white, and red color. Cool. Um, except for some color art. Oh, wow. Even though it's kind of a weird tint, but you get like, it's mostly character art or pictures from the Link to the Past manual. Like okay. The, you know, it's like that anime Link style. I do like that big nose anime Link. I love it. Yeah. It's He's my favorite. The kind that's in the intro, you know. Yeah. Graphics. Um, It does sport a classy gold cover. Excellent. Which I don't think the cartridge was gold. Right. I don't think so either. Um. The DX cartridge is, of course, black, like all DX games. Right, right. Um, and, you know, it goes into, you know, we do get the story. We kind of mentioned it before, but it's one of the few actual sequels where it's after A Link to the Past, you go on a quest for enlightenment. Oh, nice. And on your way home, you get shipwrecked. So you've already become enlightened. Apparently, yeah. You know, awesome. you're on a boat on your way back. And then that's when, you know, you're shipwrecked and you meet Marin and the owl mm-hmm. and, and all that jazz. Which is a fun intro because uh, they know your name because it's written on the back of your shield. Oh, right, right. I yeah. love that little <laughs> tidbit. Yeah, and um, it goes through a lot. It spends a lot of time on your controls, file management, you know, you know, okay. a lot of stuff that's in all of the Zelda manuals. Uh, now, for the items and stuff, is it artwork? There is some artwork for the items, yes. Excellent. Uh, that's the, the, the biggest section, kind of. Uh, it goes through, explains things about differences between your different you know your items inventory items dungeon items okay which uh you know and it, you know like previous ones you can get the when you're in a dungeon you get a map mm-hmm. and a compass but now the compass is slightly different in that it will make a chime or a, a, a song when you are in a room that has a hidden key yes and i think that's something they also carried on from this game forward yeah it's pretty cool uh what's not cool is that it tells you that every time you pick one up Yes. That, where I'm like, come on, guys. What are you doing to me here? Um, but yeah, it explains like these stone slabs and beaks and all that jazz. Um, walks you through all the instruments. Cool. Now, a lot of Zelda manuals kind of give you a, a little mini map or a primer. Does this do any of that for you? Yeah, it gives you a little intro to some some of the cast and some locations like in and around Mabe Village. Okay. Or maybe. But, you know, it's specifically, like I said before, it does not mention the boomerang. And it does not mention the piece of power or guardian acorn at all. Very interesting. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see some more details on how those worked, but no, nothing here, and unfortunately, nothing else in a lot of the FAQs I checked, like specifics. I don't know, hmm. but you know, either way, um, this was definitely a great way to uh, explain the game. If you had, if this was your first Zelda and you had this manual, you'd know what to do. So you know, it gets thumbs up there. Uh, nothing really too crazy to check out. No honestly. memo section or any place to write down seashell locations. No, there is some memo sections in the DX version but okay. not in the original hmm sad to say bummer all right folks now 
I'm sure you know from our previous Zelda entries that there is no way this is going to be a one-part show. And we're really thinking this is probably going to be a three-part show. That's right. So hold on to your horses. Triforce trifecta. So hopefully you've enjoyed the first part of this where we talked about pretty much everything you're going to find in the game. Join us next week as we return to Zelda A Link to the Past. And we're going to go over our general thoughts and perhaps some of the trading quests and whatnot. And maybe meet the crazy cast of characters you're going to find here. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't yet, find a copy of this game any way you can, folks, and play along. Yeah. And remember, if you guys want to get a hold of us and let us know your thoughts on Link's Awakening, you can do so at cartridgecommand at gmail.com, and we will get back to you. Or hit us up on the Facebooks at Cartridge Command. We'd love hearing from you there, your thoughts of this game, and, you know, any other gaming memories you may have. We also love it if you give us suggestions or, you know, just want to say hey. Yeah. We really appreciate it. We're also on the... Twitterverse at Cart Command, where we usually let you know when a new show drops, and then two or three times a year, we'll share one other photo of something interesting. <laughs> Who knows? If you tune into that account, maybe we'll up it to five or six. It it might get crazy. But of course, it is those wonderful and fine folks that give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command. It is the hard-earned seashells that they give to us uh, every month yeah. that allow us to upgrade this podcast. That's right. We just bought some new cables thanks to you guys. Coming at you new cable style. You helped me drive across the great state of Ohio so I can sit across from this wonderful man and record this show for you guys. Yeah. As long as you throw us a couple dollars a month, we'll keep making this show. So thank you guys and gals all so very much. That's right. And as always, Cartridge Commandos, game on! outro music yeah and remember if uh, <laughs> i thought i had something funny to say but i got nothing nothing um